so uh, so good morning everyone so uh, for the last uh, few months you know we've been uh, our brothers have been taking us through the whole council of god and uh, you know we've been looking at different uh, you know we've been looking at different applications uh, so first we've been while we have not looked at all the books of the bible we've been looking at doctrines you know that that we should be abiding by through scripture and how important these doctrines uh, and how important it is to us and uh, if you recall couple of weeks back we've been also starting to look at applications so based on knowing scripture based on the doctrines we know what are some applications and we some of the ones if you remember it was a call to humility being humble uh, uh, then it, uh, the the grace of giving you know giving you know giving graciously because of what our relationship with Jesus Christ is and finally uh, uh, we also talked about christian joy how our joy should be based on our relationship with god and that is what we've been looking at and today we'll be looking at one specific application and uh, the application that we will be looking at it will be on the tongue uh, i guess that word tongue is not very clear but here's we'll be looking at the book of james and uh, while james has a lot of things to say we'll be looking at that specific portion in chapter 3 of what how powerful the tongue is and what is the power of words now uh, just kind of want to kind of tell you that i know all of us have heard sermons on 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 this topic right we've all uh, if 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 not in church at some point even i i believe even unbelievers use this because james is a book full of practical applications that can be used and but scripture is going to reveal to us and may god reveal to us and thank you brother for praying is is that the word the words that we use are you know it has a power of its own and it's very powerful okay and so today this morning i'm just going to kind of give you a quick theme so that we kind of understand what we are getting into okay so james is like a short letter full of practical insights into christian living okay and he uses his letter to expound on the true nature of faith and you know about the behavior and perspective believers should embody but James is building on one very important argument throughout the book and this is what he says okay the faith that saves is faith alone but the faith that saves is never alone what do i mean by this you know james what he's trying to say is that when you come to the faith when we come to the presence of the lord is not anything that we did right i come with my hands empty i come to the presence of the lord not because of anything i did remember a couple of weeks back joby talked to us to us about the thief the thief comes bearing nothing he he doesn't come with all the doctrines he knows he comes into god's presence because god has said come and that is what we bring into you know when we come into his presence but he's what he's building on is that that kind of faith is never alone and george and touched on that in on his sermon and you know he kind of built on that that there is always going to be a movement towards growth there's always going to be fruit on what you you know on your on your faith there's always going to be a manifestation of maturity of holiness and you know that is that's always going to be there in in your life and it will not be stagnant you will not be a stagnant person and and you know what he's trying to say is that all of these issues of faith and works and justifications what is he trying to say is that faith if your faith you know you come here and you are not having any works there is no growth scene there is no maturity he doesn't mince his words he is trying to bring an argument of that kind of faith is useless it's worthless and um, and all of the application you know the all of that application is uh, one of the most important application he talks about is the principle of the tongue and you know uh, in chapter 1 verse 26 okay he kind of build, he starts it over there okay he says and again he's not mincing words this is what he says those who consider themselves religious okay so he's talking about believers you do not keep a tight rein of their tongue deceive themselves 
and their religion is worthless. I'm not saying this. James is saying this. He's saying your so-called Christianity is worthless if you think you're a disciple of Jesus Christ and there is no control of your tongue. And James has this habit of picking things up and just kind of stopping and then coming back to it later. And so he kind of starts at this verse and then he stops and then he moves on and then he comes in full force into chapter 3, okay, and that will be our whole, uh, the, we'll be looking at the first 12 verses and that will be uh, the chunk of what we'll be learning. And I'm going to break it into three chunks for us again. This is what we'll be looking at. We'll be first looking at the power of the tongue and that's, I want to talk about what does the uh, text have to say about the tongue. The second thing we'll be looking at is the character of the tongue and, uh, you know, what does the Bible say about on how our words should be and finally the healing of the tongue, how do we apply all of this. So moving quickly to, to the power of the tongue, okay? And so we'll be looking at, uh, and I'll be bringing on three, like four observations here, okay? In the first and second verse, it says the tongue that is unbridled is dangerous. So let me read those verses for you. And uh, please keep your, you know, your eyes onto that portion so it kind of, you can kind of make sense of what is happening here. So it says, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness, for we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, also able also to bridle his whole body. Okay, so first thing that James is doing is a warning to teachers. You know, let me bring in a little context, okay? So the audience uh, in this, these first Hebrew uh, century, I mean, so this first century Hebrew Christians, this role of teacher or rabbi, they saw a lot of perks with it, a lot of status. Oh, this this role has something important to it. And they saw there's something to gain on this, okay? And it was, it was not out of their heart of love to serve the church, to do things. They saw something of a status and they said, okay, and they started aiming, okay, let's all become teachers. And sometimes we see that in the church today as well. And, uh, you know, they thought it comes with honor and respect. And James is trying to discourage them. Hold on, hold on. Because he see, and he saw an ungodly ambition in the church. You know, the so-called Christians were using any means necessary to get what they want. You know, it was, the, it was not the fruit. It was not their movement towards holiness that was leading them to serve the church. It was looking for some kind of status. And James is like, there is teachers be warned because the position that you're coming to is, remember, there's a very important position. And this is what he's saying. Teachers have more opportunity to cause trouble. I, I like how uh, 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 our brother prayed that let me, let me not bring my own biases into this. And I realized that that's how it is. Teachers have the power to change hearts. To have, you know, like they can just say whatever they want. And, you know, if, if we are not like the Bereans who go back and look to the word, we can be misled. And he's saying, you know, because you, we can, uh, teachers have the power to bring their biases, their assumptions. If they don't have knowledge, they can bring their own thoughts from somewhere else. And it's very, very dangerous. You know, they can bring their, and, and what he's trying to say is all teachers, including himself, we have a stricter judgment. In, uh, in, 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 second, uh, in second Timothy 1 verse 14, uh, uh, in second Timothy 1 verse 14, uh, he talks about, you know, by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us, guard the good word. And here's a tougher one. Hebrews 13 verse 17, he tells the leaders that the leaders are to keep a watch over your souls as all, as those who will have to give an account. Very tough. Very, he's, he's very tough on teachers. And he says, teachers should guard their word. Now, here's, here's what I want to uh, mention, okay? And this is something that I wanted to bring about. You know... Um, you know, what, what James, while James is strictly talking for teachers, I don't want us to kind of shut our uh, you know, minds and say, okay, this is for teachers, this is not for me. I think we should also bring to reality, James is, if you look at the context and if you look at all these verses, he's addressing the posture of the heart. 
You know, what is your heart doing? And you know, what, you know, out of the fullness of your heart, what is it leading you to? Your growth to maturity. And while this is for teachers, if you look to the next verse, look what he says. Uh, he says, and uh, he's, so he's not making just a case for, for the church, but also the posture of the heart of the Christian. That's why in verse 2, uh, he says, he continues, uh, let me read that verse for you. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man. It, he's saying there should be a sign of growth, there should be a sign of maturity for all believers. So yes, this is a, there is a stricter judgment for teachers, but those of, you who are, those of you who mentor, those of you who lead, those of you who are talking to your teaching, your children, those of you taking Sunday school, those of you counseling, those of you, and don't say, I don't do any of that. And because then you have to ask yourselves, are you growing? Is there fruit in it? And he's saying all of that, your words, you need to see where is your heart? You know, what are the words that's coming from your heart? Is it coming from, you just saying what everyone is saying and so that makes sense uh, or are you saying it from a heart with your true relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ you know James isn't uh, saying that you say all sweet words and you know you say such uh, such beautiful words and you're like okay let's he's talking about your words should really come from the heart and we I, I know I'm kind of jumping the uh, boat here you know it's a little spoiler alert but we will talk about what James is trying to say so with this warning you know with uh, and, and okay sorry I missed that so uh, believers are so believers need to be you know a call to strive for maturity uh, they have to bridle their tongue in their striving for maturity so with that we will come to the the main chunk of the portion and that will be in verse 3 to 6 and here's uh, the second observation the tongue is small but powerful and you know he has these two examples he talks about bits in the mouths of horses and you know and and you know he talks about the rudder of the ship and james is bringing so many illustrations throughout this portion again he's trying to bring out his application so for, first you know he uh, asks us to consider how a bit of a horse you know and i i've not exactly seen a bit but how the bit kind of controls the horse something so small is able to control the horse and then in a ship he uses the same concept of an uh, uh, concept of a rudder and that is what the the captain of the ship uses to control the ship and this is uh, i think this is essentially what he's saying there is a disproportionate impact between the size of the tongue or the size of the object and the largeness of the creature that is being being controlled by it this is that's all the point something so small has a disproportionate impact on what it is controlling and so and then so we look in verse verse he, uh, verse 5 he says so also the talk uh, the tongue is a small member yet it boasts of great things so he's trying to say yeah so the tongue is so powerful and he says it boasts of great things so uh, you know we all know right we all know history we we know and i don't have to give you examples right we have throughout history men and women uh, you know the changing the course of history through their words you know they they're giving them giving statements that kind of have started wars have have ended wars have driven people to you know to to in in their passions to do things just because of words and words have a power but here's what james is bringing and um, uh, James is bringing to focus here is while the tongue has a capacity to do good, yes, it, it does, it boasts of so many things, it also has the capacity to bring forth destruction. Because look at what it says in second part of verse 5. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. You know, uh, what James is trying to say, while, you know, uh, while the tongue has the power to encourage, 
it has capacity to turn chaos into it has a uh, capacity to turn harmony into chaos to spoil reputations to to buy gossip and slander to destroy the testimonies of brothers and sisters who proclaim to know the lord jesus christ that is the power of the tongue and james is going to go and from the second part of 5b we we see that you know he's talking about the potential of the tongue it says the tongue for all it's it says it's a destructive fire setting ablaze to everything it touches okay let's look at the first part of verse 6 okay it says and the tongue is a fire a world of unrighteousness you know i was trying to figure out what this a world of unrighteousness and the one statement i found online and i i really like how it says every act of evil in the world finds an ally in an uncontrolled tongue and what is this this person was trying to say is that if you can think of every act of evil that's happened that's happening and that is you know all of that if you're trying to try to find a root of it you know like where does it begin and where does it take action before that it always finds an ally in an uncontrolled tongue a tongue that cannot be controlled and that is let loose and and so so when the tongue is let free let let me just bring you, it it produces gossip it produces slander you have emotional outbursts you 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 boast you lie you curse you know you critical and you you're critical with your language to hurt to manipulate you have harsh language the sarcasm in your voice it, with sarcasm with an intent to hurt verbal abuse complaining betraying dirty jokes and even sometimes bringing about a distortion of god's word and that is what happens when your tongue is loose and look look at the second part of 6 it says the tongue is set among our members staining the whole body you know it's it's saying it's not limited to the uh, you know it's not just limited so you say okay i'm going to yell at this person i'm going to do because i'm going to put him down it says you know uh, uh, an uncontrollable tongue affects not just a person but the person who it talks to you know words have an infective uh, infecting effect that colors everything that we look at it will change how we perceive and things around us i mean you might think okay this is this if this is sounding outside for you think about someone okay you for example i i look at philip and i say you know i love my brother and he's doing so much things for me but if it is driven by emotions okay and if it is driven by and i'm like okay he's doing so much things to me and he's giving me all of these things at some point i might see something that philip does that that hurts me that angers me and suddenly i see him in a different light it's because and then my words come out and i you know i i say things that is rude and fr- and suddenly what happens i have started perceiving this brother in a different light and my words have infected and colored my thoughts and i i am seeing philip i don't even remember what he did for me before that and that is what he's trying to say he's saying that you know your words have an effect on you it's itself and uh, and okay so now you're like okay now wow that's a lot verse 6c let's see what it says uh staining the whole body setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell what does this mean can you think of a fire that doesn't go out and that's the fire of hell that's what he's saying words have a power so you might say okay i'm going to say some things i've said it okay it's all forgiven but what james is trying to say is that if there are times your words can have an effect even after you're gone it it, it can be continuously energized and it's because hell fire it it has a direct link to hell fire if you let it loose think about it i'm i'm sure all of us have had instances where someone has said something they've forgotten it they've forgiven you or you know they've moved on and they must have said it as a passing joke but that has kind of shaped you like you know it has affected you so much that you know it's so difficult and you're like i'm hoping that person will come and apologize or i'm hoping i can talk to this person and that that is the danger that and it's saying that it is it is affected by an inexhaustible source 
and sometimes words can linger so and this also means that when we let our tongues loose it is where that it uses the devil to help him to steal to kill destroy ruin our relationships ruin everything around us and that and it says it's a you know i, I like how one person put it without christ we are serial arsonists spreading flame wherever and whenever we speak to people those around us intentionally or unintentionally we hurt and we bring pain to those around us and wow and then james doesn't stop that he doesn't uh, you know put a break or that he goes and that we come to our second observation verse 7 and 8 the tongue is humanly untamable let me read that verse for you for every kind of beast and bird or reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by man- mankind but no human being can tame the tongue it's a restless evil full of deadly poison okay uh what is james alluding to here is that even the most wildest animals can be tamed recently uh, uh you know my wife was talking about one one man who uh you know has some nine lions in his care and he takes care of it and you know i i i i i i freak out when i see that because i'm so scared that these lions will attack him at any point and what what it's saying is that even the wildest animals can be tamed we have dominion over the creatures of the earth because you know of the creation in genesis 1 and d- even though we are sinful even though that dominion is lingering it is still there to an effect and what james is saying while we have power over other things the tongue is humanly untamable humans have dominion over all creation but the tongue scary right and look at what it says in verse 8 it's uh verse 8 the first part uh, second part it says it's a re- restless evil full of de- a deadly poison the word restless right it means unruly no control you know it's unstable there is there is there is nothing constant about the tongue have you ever thought of the tongue being like this that is the power of the tongue it says it strikes without focus or clear intent and that is the and but here's what it says when it strikes uh, and you think okay it strikes so what what's the issue it says it's restless evil full of deadly poison the word deadly here you know it what it's trying to say is it literally means death bearing Okay, it says the tongue has the power of death and life, and I, I, this is while it's a good statement. This is scriptural. Okay, it comes right directly from scripture, and let me b- uh, break that for you a bit. In the Hebrew scripture, the word life is a multi-dimensional word. Okay, it has uh, at least three different aspects. So it has your your physical life, your psychological life, and your social life. And these words, what it's saying is that words has the power to destroy all three. Okay, so firstly, the physical death. Okay, and let's read this verse, Proverbs, uh, Proverbs uh, chapter eighteen, verse twenty-one. It says, "Death and life are in the power of the tongue." You know, if you think death, you know, uh, physical, you're like, "Oh wow, my words is going to cause someone to die. There's going to cause physical death." I just look around you, right? We don't even have to talk about wars that are started. Just look at. you know uh, uh uh people who have killed we've heard of those school shootings just because of words that were said we've heard of husbands and you know killing their wives because of certain words that were said we've heard of and and we've heard of language that was sharp and said and people have committed suicide because of that and we have so many examples i don't have to list them down and words because if your words are lashing if it's sharp you might think i just said it i can't believe that person did that you know some of us say that i can i i don't know why they did it i just said something wise and that's the power of words and we need to remember that that's why i keep repeating the power of words and you okay, okay and secondly the psychological death okay let me read this words for you proverbs 12 verse 18 there is one whose rash words are like sword thrust and let's stop there you know see um 
look at the illustration over here. It's saying, if you stab someone, okay, so look at the illustration of a person stabbing someone with a sword. Okay, and it, you can pull the sword out, but you can't pull the wound out. If the person survives, the wound will take a long time to heal and there's a, uh, you know, there's a damage that is permanent. Okay, and, and this is what it's trying to say. It's saying, in related to words, words have the power to do damage that cannot be remedied. You know, when you say a word, you can never take back that word. I like, you know, like this, like how someone said, words can be forgiven, but they cannot be forgotten. And the damaging effects of words cannot be take, taken away. So let me give you an example. Take a little child, right? And a little child who's, who's growing and, you know, who's being nurtured by your words. And you tell that child, you will never worth to anything. What's going to happen to that child? Or, 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 or many of us, I don't know if any of us have struggled with this, many of us at our childhood, we've been compared and our, probably our parents meant it in a good way to, to kind of, you know, build each other. But sometimes, uh, like recently, uh, I was discussing with a brother and he was telling me, ultimately what happens in comparison is you become as good as your comparison. You know, you either will be as good as them and you, you'll do better than them and you'll be rejoicing that that's, that's your limit or you'll do worse than them and you're crushed and, you know, that's it. And that is... You know, when you tell a child that is worthless, that at such a young age, the child will take it to heart and believe that it's true. Uh, brothers and sisters, I, I, I don't know if I'm making a blanket statement here, but I want to say that all of us have been shaped by the words that we are here. You know, there might be discouraging words, there are words that are cutting, and there are encouraging words. But sometimes words have hurt us so much, and it's only the love of Jesus that has kind of brought us out of that void, sometimes of words that has been told to us. And thirdly, words have the power to... Um, uh, uh, to destroy community. Proverbs 16 verse 28 says, a dishonest man spreads strife and a whisperer separates close friends. This is this goes without saying. If you build your trust with your friends and this doesn't even have to be in church, anywhere else, if there is, there is, you just, you know, you're just saying things because, you know, we want to keep our friendship close and you go, you know, once they leave your house, you start with the conversations, what you think about them. And if there is no trust and if it's filled with lies and it's just something that as an acquaintance, there's no love it it says that whisperer and a whisperer separates close friends it will crumble because there's nothing it's not built on a solid foundation you know i just want to kind of remind us you know the very means by which god has provided a way that we can communicate we can build each other we can love each other and we can articulate our praise and thanksgiving to our lord jesus christ has become a way of us despising and deceiving others and dishonoring god Moving to the, the last chunk of the verses is the, third of, uh, the fourth observation. The tongue exposes our spiritual condition. Look at verse 9. With it we bless our Lord and Father and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. Look at this. James is talking about a very, uh, you know, um, uh, very glaring inconsistency. He's placing the highest form of speech. He's saying the blessing of God, the Lord, the Father, side by side with what? With the cursing of another human being. And, and, and you know, he's, he's, this is what he's saying. All of creation has been made in Christ's likeness and as a result of being in Christ's likeness, we are, who are equally unworthy of our salvation and we were, our brothers were sharing today, we did not deserve it. We, and you know, all of us are being made in the exact same likeness of God. It's absolutely wrong of us to think on that on one hand, we can praise God the Father on Sunday. Oh, wow, I love the worship. And Monday you go and shoot someone down and, you know, destroy those people and say, you know what, you know, I'm God loving. You know, when you do that, we, in one sense, we are adoring God, but at, at the same time, you know, in a sense, we are reviling God because he is the creator of all men and women. 
It's, it's the invoking of the name of God against his own creation. It's, it's you know, in doing so, we, play, we are placing ourselves in God's place as judge. God cares about our words. You know, even those spoken to other people, even those you speak to yourself in private, you say, I'm useless, I'm worthless, I'll never be so humble. Even those words, God cares about. You're like, okay, I'm not hurting anyone, I'm just hurting myself. God cares about those words. We are made in his image. We are his sons and daughters for those who are in Christ Jesus. And he cares about how people speak. He cares about how his image is treated. And I'm not putting this verse here to kind of do the jump scare to all of us. But this is the word of God. He says, but I tell you, Matthew 12, verse 36 and 37, that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted and by your words you will be condemned. Let's not stop there. Let's move to the next verse, verse 10. From the same mouth comes blessing and cursing, my brothers. These things ought not to be so. Um, James is calling all believers to be one or the other. And he's using these examples to enforce his point, right? He's talking about, uh, look at what he says in verse 12. Can a fig tree, oh sorry, from verse 11, there's a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water. Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or grape wine, produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. So many examples he's kind of bringing. He's, he's trying to tell us that you have to be in one or the other. He says, my brothers, it's the biggest understatement. It's, it shouldn't be. And, you know, I was reading upon this and this rule of oughtness, okay, that is the rule of oughtness that it ought not to be. We kind of think, okay, it's, 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 it makes, uh, yeah, it's, it's something like a guideline. You don't have to do it, you know, it's, but it's a good thing that if you do it and, uh, I was thinking of an example a brother shared, okay, he's an older gentleman and he was telling that, uh, you know, he was getting into the bus and uh, uh, there was there was these uh, seats that were empty and, the, you know, there were seats for the elderly and he looked at it and he said, uh, by rule of law, if 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 uh, if all seats are taken, these whoever is sitting here must get up and offer their position to the older people or those who are sick. And he's like, by rule of law, shouldn't be that by nature that that we see people that we ought to get up. And that's what he's saying. The rule of oughtness. Is, we've kind of come to this point of saying, ah, it's you know, the Bible is more like a guideline. You know, we don't have to follow it. And he's when James is saying it not ought to be, he's like, it's the very opposite of the nature how nature is. We shouldn't be on one or the other. And here's what he's also bringing. The tongue is a traitor because no matter how much you try to hide it. So you go, we are visiting each other in their homes and you know, we say all beautiful words and language and then you're like, okay, I'll never tell the truth. And he's saying that because no matter how much you try to hide it, eventually the tongue is going to betray your heart. Whatever is your heart filled with, the tongue is going to reveal those words. You're saying, okay, I'm going to be silent all my life. You can't. Even if you take this pilgrimage of silence, at some point, your words is going to come out and people are, people are going to see your true spiritual condition based on your language. Imagine that. That's what he's trying. And so he's trying to say, you know, he's trying to say, tell to all believers, please be, you know. And yeah, sorry. In Matthew 12, verse 34, we have Jesus saying, you brood of vipers, how can you speak, you know, good when you are evil for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And that is like the theme, you know, what we're saying. Eventually, the tongue is going to betray you. And James is calling all believers to be one or, or the other. And he uses these examples to enforce his point. Are you going to be a fresh spring that produces sweet and life-giving speech that encourages bills? And, or is it going to be a world of unrighteousness? It cannot be both. You have to be one or the other. 
and you kind of look at this portion wow that is that is that is so tough and you know and you kind of you know kind of stop there and then i'm going to just kind of move to our next portion what does the bible say on how our language should be right after all that is being said and the first thing it says your speech should be truthful and honest rather than deceptiveness let me read that verse for you proverbs 12 verse 17 whoever gives speaks the truth gives honest evidence very interesting because uh, so when we kind of stop here the bible doesn't say your speech should be truthful and honest stop end because that's what we do you know sometimes we say i don't know why this person is so hurt i was just telling him the truth you know like i i, I don't get it i was just being honest because the next thing that says your speech should be kind and gentle rather than harshness okay i'm going to read a few verses it proverbs um, 15 was first a gentle tongue is a tree of life 15 was one a soft answer turns away wrath let me uh, let me not read the third verse because i'm going to ask you what does it mean to us to speak gently gentle speech is not that you kind of you know you're you're soft spoken sensitive and you know like you know you keep telling the person to speak louder because you can't hear what they're saying that is not what gentleness is talking about look at verse proverbs 25 uh sorry uh, proverbs 25 was 15 with patience a ruler may be persuaded and a soft tongue will break a bone what is he, what is he talking about and this is what a co- commentator says to break a bone means to break down the most hardened resistance to an idea a person may possess gentle speech can be pointed can be argumentative can even be contradictory to the listener wow it's it's not about just saying nothing it's not about just murmuring words it's about being honest but being gentle okay so you think okay justin what is what does that mean and here's my here's your test okay this is you can this is how you can test yourself your language your words has got to be and here's a keyword has to be motivated not to put a person in their place because he spoke to me like this i'm going to put him in his place not to prove that they are wrong i'm with my theology i'm going to use it as a sword to destroy them not to belittle them not to show them that they i am bigger than them i am better than them the motivation has got to be nothing but love it's like how the verse says the your words should be bone breakingly clear in tone in purpose in voice and in motivation it should be kind it should come from a heart of love next we need voice and app speech rather than carelessness and i'm not going to speak too long into this but it it's the verse that says the lips of the righteous should have it's about having acceptable speech your speech should be you, you don't just go and just blabber everything because hey he's my friend i can tell him everything i want and then you just kind of you know say whatever you want and that and that person is turned on so it's it's about being fitting your conversation should be fitting it should be acceptable it should be wise it should not just you just don't go and just say whatever you want there should be wiseness in your speech and 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 the next one we need direct and courageous speech rather than gossip and what do you mean by this uh, look at the first part of proverbs 10:18 the one who conceals hatred has dying lip lips so we might say okay you know what i i i i'm just not going to say anything and i sometimes struggle with this okay and this was convicting for me because sometimes you kind of see problems and you might say okay it's within the church and you know what you want to what you want to say is like it's not my problem 
I don't want to do about it. You know, I don't want to strain this relationship. You know, I, I, I'm already doing my best. The maximum I can do is say hi in church. And, you know, I don't want to destroy that relationship by if I see something that they are struggling with or something I'm seeing some kind of injustice. And this is not just in church, okay? I'm talking about in the world you see injustice. You know, there's a place for righteous anger. Because I'm not telling there's no place for that. There's a place for all of this. And you, at that time, you can't be a coward and say, you know, I, I, I can't do this. This is not me. And I, I, I always use my, my wife as an example. I always say that, I always tell her it's not our problem. Like, let's deal with it. And she, she you know, like, but that's, that's what we are called to do, right? We're called to love our neighbors. And so at that point, you see something happening, injustice, and you see a place for righteous anger. You're like, not my problem. I don't want to take care of it. The Bible tells us our speech should be direct and courageous. That time you don't go and tell others, oh, I'm, look at this person, this person is doing this and this. Maybe you can go talk to them. And they say they can't do it. And they go to the next person. It shouldn't be that. We need speech that is direct. And, and here's the last one. I'm very powerful. Your speech should be balanced rather than impulsive. I like, look at these two verses. They're very, uh, there's like a counterbalance. Proverbs 10 verse 19, because I know that a lot of people quote this verse. When words are many, sin is avoidable. So you, you speak less. But look at what the second verse says. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his le- uh, lips, he is deemed intelligent. This sh- the verses speak for yourself. Yeah, you can speak a lot and you can be silent, but the Bible calls you to be your speech to be balanced because then only you know if you then only you can bring your words that are apt, that are building up, that are that are loving to each other. So now, you know, after all of this, you're like, wow, this is difficult. What is James talking about and what is the Bible asking how our speech should be? The question that we need to ask is how, you know, how are we going to apply this? Because James is saying it's humanly untamable. I'm not going to give us 10 steps on how to do that. Maybe in your cell groups, you can kind of discuss what, what are some practical steps. But I'm just going to bring you three truths and we can close with that. The first cru- truth is victorious Christian living. You know, in, in a related passage in Matthew 20, Jesus is talking to his disciples. Okay, and they are like, you know, who then can be saved? And he says, and look at Matthew 19 verse 7, uh, 26. With man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. What am I trying to tell you here? Using human efforts, you can say, okay, I'm going to take this list and I'm going to check every word that I'm going to say. I'm going to, and, and you know, like I, I can use an example of my brother, Ebby, who could make an app that kind of counts every words that you say and checks every word that is being used. You know, I'm going to hold myself accountable. I'm going to ask my brothers to tell me, hey, today I spoke. Can you look at my list of words? Was this making sense? And you can do go every night and say, I'm going to make an inventory of my language. It's good. You may have the most iron will, strongest will ever. You might have the best disciplines ever. At some point, you're going to fail and you're going to feel it's useless. You're like, I'm never, I, I'm, I'm struggling with this. I'm struggling with my language. Okay, maybe I should be silent. Bible says you can't be silent. You have to, because you have to share the gospel, you have to build. So that doesn't work. So what do I do? And here's the truth that we have to realize that thanks to be to God, and that is what our whole talk because today, right? Thanks be to God, what God did for us. We are already victorious. Sin has already been defeated. So when sin, you know, when sin, you think like, oh, my words, I don't know, I don't have a control over them. And because of sin and because of that, we have to live in victory knowing that Jesus has already defeated sin for us. You know, I, I like, like, I, I'm not sure who said that today, but Jesus, who is the perfect word, you know, the Jesus who, who's, who spoke the perfect words and who enjoyed an eternity, a relationship with his father, what did he get on the cross? Silent treatment when he called out to God. 
so that we who use words that cut and sh- uh, hurt and slash and bring people down can be saved that is the first point that we have and further on on the day of pentecost what happened um all of them were filled with the holy spirit and began to speak and here's what i'm it says they became the speech became so incredibly eloquent it's uh, i like how someone says you know oh, I, i heard my language it was so beautiful but i like to go further and say you know because i, I again get this uh, from my wife you know like she'll be speaking in hindi to someone and i'll be like okay they just spoke hindi and she'll be like okay that language is a little different the dialect was different i was like okay it's all hindi to me uh, it's gibberish but uh, but the reality is is that it is the heart language you know your the speaker when he spoke from his heart the words touched the other person to their heart so much as the language that they loved and they're like wow it's not just like oh it's not like oh you speak my language like how ajit has that shirt like in you know, a malayaliano it's 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 not just that it's it's language that fulfill them wow they became so eloquent in their speech because the holy spirit was why because they they were filled with the holy spirit with something new you know pentecost is a reversal of what happened at the tower of babel when people thought their language they can do things what happened language broke down and jesus healed that and when we live with that when you know when we live with those truths and if you get it the price that was paid to get you the ultimate word that feeds your souls the holy spirit that has come to us and by the enablement of the holy spirit that we can speak language that heals that break, does not break down you'll no no longer find a reason to hurt someone with your words you'll no longer say with my words i'm going to push that person down i'm going to i i'm going to show that i'm boss because you know i have such good words you know we are free to tell the truth and to hear the truth because you received the ultimate word of god and our words will be truthful and kind and apt and beautiful and i'm not saying that we have to speak poetry we don't have to go into prose we don't have to speak in archaic language and speak and and then you even you yourself won't understand what you're saying ultimately your words has to be something that is led by the spirit we need to ask lord give me the power by your spirit to speak language that doesn't hurt and 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 so how do you bring this truth into your heart and the second truth is we need to address the heart issue look at proverbs 16 verse 23 the heart of the wise man the heart of the wise makes his speech judicious what is saying is that a wise man's heart guides his mouth there is no there's no other way okay here's the core truth jesus is saying ultimately the only thing that can heal your words is a change in what fills your heart you know what fills your heart determines how you speak And you know when the bible is talking about the heart it's talking about what 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 is your biggest hope today what do you hope in what do you love most you know what gives you meaning in life what are you living for you know uh, what are you really looking for your significant security is it your job and this this is very convicting for me is it your job is it your spouse is it your family is it is it your home is it your health is it how you look all of these are these is the ones that is giving meaning in your life because those will affect you and you will eventually be conformed to it and we have to start with our hearts first and not with our tongues because if there is arrogance in our hearts you know our tongue is going to definitely put that other person down it's because we have it's automatic you know you automatically want to elevate yourself why do we lie sometimes you know if someone asks you something we lie because at that point i need validation i need people to accept me that i'm normal like you know they uh, you know i don't want them to see my messed up stuff so at that point you're like i need to uh, and so the question i want to ask you is what are the idols in your life that is taking away 
your focus from God. I'm, just not, I'm not going to limit about what are you watching, what are you scrolling, what are you, what social media. I'm going to say what are the idols in your life that is taking you away from God. And our brothers have done a series on idols. I, I would recommend you go do that. It's a very well spoke, uh, done series on different idols in your life. You know, we need humility in our lives and it starts on the inside and it starts with a forgiveness and a humility and a gentleness and a love and a passion for God before you can start even loving people those around you and the words will flow off your mouth will come from a place of kindness finally hold every thought captive Second Corinthians 10 verse 5, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. You know, we have to pray to God's spirit because you, you're like, Justin, how is this possible, right? You know, uh, what are you saying? Like I have to, when I'm about to answer someone, I just go silent and then they're like, okay, what happened to you? It's, it's not like that. It's, it's talking about your language. And it's like, even in your time when you spend with the Lord, you're saying, Holy Spirit, reveal to me, even shut my mouth. If that words that I'm going to say is going to bring pain to that person, is, is it going to build that person up? And you're like, okay, am I always going to say something that build each other up? Why don't you? Why don't we say words that always build each other up? Why don't we say encouraging words? And I'm not talking about say, don't say any jokes. That's not what I meant. My point is like, what are your words filled with? Because again, it's the heart, you know, and we need to hold, we say, Holy Spirit, when I'm speaking, when I'm speaking to a person, let my words today. And so when you go to visit a family or if you're going to visit, say, God, before you, when you pray and leave the house, pray, Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit, by your, by your power, give me the strength to only speak words that are building and not to shoot down. You know, you have to ask yourself, am I going to say something that is going to destroy and hurt someone? Is you, uh, you know, like, is it filled, are your words filled with grace and thanksgiving or is it destroying a person's re reputation? Are you going to say something to edify or is it going to criticize? Is it going to be gossip? Because gossip is so juicy, right? You just love to speak on it. We need to say, God, by your enablement of the spirit, we need the sensitivity and the strength to be slow to speak and quick to hear. So the next time you're in this conversation with someone, we need to see that person not just as a co-worker, a colleague, a friend, a brother, sister, father, son, all of that. We need to see that person as who is handcrafted by the creator and someone to whom the offer of redemption was extended to with no hesitation. They may reject it. They may spit on it. They may curse you. But the offer of redemption was given to them and they are made in God's image. You know, we need to ask the Spirit to empower us. Also, not just the, because we are speaking, even when someone is talking to us, you know, God give me the Spirit to be patient, to be kind, to listen to what they have to say. They might be saying things that are harsh, that makes no sense whatsoever, and you know, it, it might be just wasting your time. But even then, God help me to be quick to hear, but slow, uh, slow to speak. We don't put ourselves in the place of God, but as his children to love and serve those around us. Let me just close with this verse. Finally, brothers and sisters, Philippians 4 verse 8. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Let our words be filled with, let our thoughts and let us address our heart issue and let us see where it is in our relationship with God and let our words build each other up. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, <clears throat> we admit that uh, that's many times we've, we've spoken words that 
or even when we are intentional sometimes we we we've said things that are just loosely tongue we 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 say things that are with an intent to say things to show our superiority to to show our uh, to show our knowledge and all of that father and sometimes and many times we hurt with our words and we don't realize how much of an effect it is in james is bringing out this truth through scripture how powerful it is and what words have the power to do it has the power to destroy it is power, it, it it's like a flame that is lit and destroys and we are without you we are serial arsonists we are people who love to destroy with our words oh lord and but but we live in the truth that you've given us victory and when we live on that truth help us to also look at what is what are we filling our hearts with oh lord let us let us trust in ourselves and let us trust in you and ask you jesus christ by the enablement of your spirit give me words that uplift give me words that encourage give me words that can only help my brother and sister and even those those people who we don't know and I, I, even outside the church uh oh lord let our words not be something let let them see christ sometimes we it, they see the gospel just in our actions in everything that we do and let our words also be something that is life giving truth as james says lord we thank you oh lord for this message and we thank you that through scripture you continue to speak to us and what a great god you are thank you jesus for listening to our prayer we ask all this in the precious name of our lord and savior jesus christ amen, amen.